0: Before I get started this morning, I want to thank uh, I want to thank Derek for his prayer and um, just a couple of things uh, the reflections that have come to me. One is our middle son uh, Daniel, uh, God is my judge, and uh, his wife Beth are expecting our first grandchild later this year. So next year will be his first Father's Day, and. Um, uh, and I can remember back to when our, our children were born and, and, and that experience of being a dad. That first child uh, changes your life. And if you have three of them, the third one really changes your life because you're outnumbered. And then uh, it, it, also, Derek, in your prayer, you mentioned you know, asking God to bring into um, the lives of fathers, stepfathers, those who've been perhaps a father figure to us, you know, someone who can reflect the light of Christ into their life. And, and, and I wanted to share a testimony. Um, my sister and her husband got married in 1978 and Robert was not a believer. And when, when they got married, uh, Robert went to my dad and he said, Mr. Darlin', I know that, uh, uh, that Sue was brought up in church. Uh, she's, uh, she was brought up in a believer's home and, and that she's a Christian and I, I won't do anything to get in the way of her going to church. Robert was not a believer. And, and so Sue would go to church and then their daughter was born and, then their son was born, and the children got a little bit older, and uh, Robert began to make fun of her going to church. The children began to make fun of her going to church, and, um, and pretty soon Sue grew tired of that, and she just quit going uh, because she didn't want to put up with uh, the criticism and the abuse that was being heaped on her, and in the meantime, we were praying for Robert's salvation because uh, um, uh, he was not a believer. And at some point in those uh, first uh, five to ten years, Robert came to us, and he said, he said to me particularly, he said, um, he said you know, being a pastor is your job. He said, but I don't want to hear anything more about Jesus. So don't, don't talk to me about Jesus. Don't talk to me about church. I, I don't want to hear any of that. And for 20-plus years, Um, Suzanne and I and some others, we had a wonderful group of uh, older ladies in our church uh, who were real prayer warriors. We prayed for God to bring into Robert's life a friend who would tell him about Jesus. And um, we would send birthday cards with Bible verses. We would send anniversary cards with Bible verses. When we were together, my sister would say, Chuck, would you have the blessing for our food? And you know, in a 30, 60, 90-second prayer, you can pray the whole gospel. So Robert kept hearing the gospel, but there was no response. And then about 10 years ago, uh, my sister and my brother-in-law moved from South Florida um, up into Northeast Georgia in the U.S., and uh, and Robert had told my sister when we move I'll start going to church with you and he kept his word they went to this uh, church out in the country close to where they lived. and God brought into my brother-in-law's life a young man by the name of Benji Um, Benji loved fishing he loved hunting he loved drag racing he loved cars he loved uh, NASCAR. He loved a lot of the things that Robert loved. And God brought this young man into, uh, into my brother-in-law's life. And, um, and God used Benji. And, and a couple of years passed, and Robert went before Christmas, uh, seven years ago I think it was, he went over to Benji's house, and, 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 and he just shared some things. And Benji shared the gospel with him. And then the next morning, Sunday morning at church, uh, when they had their altar call, Robert came to the altar and the pastor, he prayed with the pastor and asked Christ to come into his heart. Um, and, And what I want to say is, you know, Derek, coming back to your prayer, you know, we do not know who God will bring into our loved ones lives to touch them. In fact when we started praying for God to bring someone into Robert's life who would share Jesus with him Benji had not yet been born okay that's an amazing thing and it was 700 miles from where Robert was at that point but God is an awesome God and God works in powerful ways and he works in ways we do not see or understand and so God brought into Robert's life this young man named Benji who shared Jesus with him. And today, Robert's a believer. I got to baptizing, you know? And, uh, and, and Robert said, after the baptism, he said, I wish I had done this before. It wasn't his time. But God used Benji to bring Jesus into Robert's life. And I say that in part because there's someone sitting here that God will use to touch someone else's life, that God will use to help show and, and reflect Jesus into the life of, of, of someone that you may not have even met yet, that God is preparing them, and He's preparing you, and God will use you to share Jesus with that person. So, Derek, thank you for that prayer, and, and, uh, and, and I pray that prayer is answered in the lives of those we prayed for this morning, and I also pray that that prayer is answered in our lives, that God will prepare us to use us to be that person to share Jesus with someone else. So thank you. I just had to share that this morning. Thank you. Thank you for your prayer. Um, I want to talk a little bit this morning uh, uh, about Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet that was born um, uh, between about uh, 620 and 630 B.C. I know this doesn't mean a whole lot, but but he was born you know, then and and um, uh, Ezekiel uh, was uh, born into a priestly family. He was like Jeremiah. He was like Isaiah, uh, who were also uh, priests. Uh, Ezekiel's name means God strengthens or, or may God strengthen. And, um, and there's some things, just some background about Ezekiel uh, that, 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 that need to kind of set against the history uh, of, um, of Judah. Israel's been carried off into captivity. Uh, In trying to keep Judah from also experiencing this, uh, in the early 600s, the king of Israel invited the Babylonians, said, we want to be your friends. We want to have good relations with you. And uh, so uh, he invited some of the Babylonians to come into Israel. And and, and they kind of had this friendship. And, and really all that happened was the Babylonians came into Judah and scouted it out. You know, they saw the strong places. They saw the walled cities. Uh, they were able to come into the, to the, uh, to J- uh, Jerusalem and to see the treasures. They saw the temple. They heard the stories about the things that were in the temple, you know, the, the, the golden items that were in the temple, the items used in worship. And, and they heard all of this. And the truth is that they used their information uh, a little bit after the year 600, basically to come and say, uh, we're annexing you. And uh, they took the king off the throne, and uh, they put another king on the throne, an 18-year-old king by the name of Jehoiakim, and he ruled about six months. And the king of Babylon says... uh, uh, I want the king and, and, and I want some of the, the, the higher-up people in the kingdom. I want you all to come. About 5,000 uh, were, were exiled. They became expats in Babylon. And, and, and Ezekiel was among them. He was in that group. Um, and uh, one of the things to note about Ezekiel is that uh, a, a priest began to serve about the age 30. And a priest would serve for 20 years till the age of 50. When uh, when Ezekiel went to Babylon, uh, he was about age 30 when God called him in 595 or so to be a prophet, and so he spent his entire 20 years of being a prophet there in uh, in Babylon. He never got to be a priest. He never got to serve in the temple. He never got to be. A, he wasn't a priest when he was in Babylon because uh, they didn't have a temple there. They didn't worship there, and so he was called of God. Uh, he actually spent uh, 20 years as a prophet from about uh, 595 to about 575. And, um, uh, and, and, and uh, the book that we have is uh, just a, a series of, 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 of oracles that he gives of prophecies as God reveals things to him. Uh, and, and, and we see this uh, kind of ending about uh, the time he turned 50. Uh, and um, uh, and his book was brought to a close at that time. Um, part of his book and I'll mention this in just a minute um, part of his book has to do uh, with the judgment that's coming uh, you know, th- this is what happened to Israel Judah, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't repent, if you don't do what God has uh, for you to do that part of his message was not well received. People didn't you know, they weren't repenting, they weren't uh, doing what God was saying for them to do. And he had prophesied judgment was come would come. And then on the other side of that, he began to prophesy in the second part of his book, he prophesied about, um, about restoration, that God would one day uh, restore his people, that God would one day do all of this. And it wasn't about Israel, but it was about God and his glory. This would be about God's being glorified, through what God would do. So that's a little bit of background uh, about uh, about Ezekiel. Um, And uh, the chapter we're going to look at today, chapter 33, uh, really is the transition chapter between those two parts. The parts having to do with uh, speaking about God's judgment on the sins of Israel. And then the second part, having to do with restoration and this morning what i want to talk about really has to do with the prophet's responsibility in sharing what uh what god would have them to say and then also the second thing i want to talk about this morning is being individually accountable to god that we are individually personally accountable to god for the things that we do so i want us to pray And uh, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to pray for Craig, and we're going to pray for the children. Um, Because we had not even gotten to the sermon yet, and I think I've already used half the time I used all of last week. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for this opportunity to be together. Father, I thank you for being able to sing praise and to lift up and to glorify the name of Jesus. Father, to thank you for grace upon grace. Father, to thank you for loving us and the sending of your son Jesus into the world. Father, for being able to sing about the life that is ours through faith in Jesus, that our sins are forgiven, uh, that we are given new life, that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, Father, we pray right now, as we sang earlier, that uh, you would open our hearts and our minds to your word. Let your word speak to us today. Father, may it make a difference in our hearts and in our lives today. Father, may your word call us to action. Father, to be fulfilling uh, the mission and the purpose that you have for us. Father, we pray today that even as uh, Derek prayed earlier, Lord, that you would prepare us to be used in sharing Jesus with someone, Father, that we meet. Someone that we have a relationship with, Father, that that we'll be able to to, to share with them uh, about our Heavenly Father and how much, Father, you have loved us in the giving of your Son, Jesus, for us. And Father, even today, we pray, for, uh, we pray for Craig and we pray for, uh, Father, the children that are there with him. Father, we pray for you just to bless them and, Father, for this to be a, a good lesson for them and, and, Father, for you to speak into their hearts, Father, your truth, Father, truth that will bear fruit in the years to come. Oh, Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and enlighten our minds, enlighten our hearts and spirits, and, Father, send us out into the world to share Jesus with those around us. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm just going to read a part of the chapter at a time, and then we're going to work through uh, Ezekiel 33, the first 20 verses. Verses 1 through 9 tell us, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman, And if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, verse 7, So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, A wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Um, what, What I want us to see out of these verses is how the prophet is responsible to share the message with others. How the prophet is responsible... For others the story is told of a missionary to the Gabeopo people of Liberia there in Africa and uh, this missionary was uh, was translating scripture into uh, the language of the people and she could not find the word that she needed here uh, to, 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 to translate the word prophet the word prophet p-r-o-p-h-e-t Uh, She found some words in their language. She found the word soothsayer. She found the word uh, diviner or diviner. Uh, These were not exactly what she was trying to say. And and in fact, if she had used those words, the people would just have shaken their heads because they knew some soothsayers and they knew some who said they were diviners and the people didn't take them seriously. They thought they were fakes. They thought they were charlatans. And, And those were not good words. And she was trying to find a word. And then early one morning, she woke up and she noticed that morning and then later on that evening that the, the, the official representative of the village chief, his spokesman, would go up and down the village streets and would deliver instructions, would give messages from the chief. He would be announcing, as Mike did, he would be announcing events to come. And so God revealed to her that she should use the word God's town crier. The one who speaks for God. The one who delivers God's instructions. The one who delivers God's messages. The one who announces events to come. And that's really what a prophet is. A prophet speaks for God. A prophet shares God's message. A prophet Shares uh, instructions from God. And and, and that's a a way for us to to, to see what what Ezekiel is talking about here when he talks about a watchman. A watchman is one who warns. A watchman is one who calls out in times of danger. Uh, One who has a message to share in warning the people around him. And this is what God called Ezekiel to do. Ezekiel, you're to be a watchman for your people. And if you hear a word from me, you're to share that word and you're not to keep it to yourself. You're to share the word of warning that I give to you and you're not to dismiss it. He was to watch for the enemy. He was to blow the trumpet. He was to let the people know about what was coming. The thing to know about the watchman is he's not responsible for what the people do once he shares the message. His responsibility is to share the message. His responsibility is to give God's instruction. Ezekiel was to share the word that God had given to him. He wasn't responsible for their response, but he was responsible to warn them. Now I want us to come over into the New Testament for just a minute. In a very real sense, on this side of the cross, in a very real sense all of God's people are watchmen all of us each of us sitting here we have received the Holy Spirit of God as we have trusted in Jesus Christ and to every one of us who is a believer God says I have made you a watchman I've made you a watchman for your neighborhood I've made you a watchman for your workplace I've made you a watchman for the the circle of friends or acquaintances that uh, that, that you have. God is saying to each of us, we are to give the warning from him to those who are around us. As God speaks to us, as God shares things with us, as God gives us things to say, we are to be sharing those words with those around us. So as Ezekiel was a watchman, As Ezekiel was uh, given this responsibility, uh, as as, as God said to him, you know, you are to share with others the word that I have shared with you, that I have given to you. So on this side of the cross, you and I also are God's watchmen. I I, I want to think of just uh, uh, two or three places where where Jesus says something about this. Jesus says in, in, in John's gospel, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Uh, he says uh, in uh, uh, in Matthew, at the end of Matthew's gospel, he said, you know, the Father's given all authority to me in heaven and on earth, and and, and because I have this authority, I- I'm telling you, go and make disciples. Be a watchman. In, uh, in the book of Acts, the very first chapter, that eighth verse, Jesus says to those disciples, he says, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, uh, you are to be my witnesses. You are to literally be my spokesman, my prophets. You are to be my watchman in Jerusalem and Judea, uh, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I have to tell you where I come from, this is pretty close to the ends of the earth. You know, so, so God says to us, wherever you go, you are to be telling people. You are to be sharing with people. You are to be letting them know the message that I have given to you. And so when we look at Ezekiel, one of the things that we can draw from Ezekiel is that just as Ezekiel was God's watchman for the people of Judah who were in exile, so are we God's watchmen. We are his spokesmen for those who are in exile in sin around us. Okay, look at verses 10 and 11. Those two verses, 10 and 11, say to us, And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you have said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Um thinking about being that watchman, thinking about sharing the word that God would give us to share. Uh, uh, In these two verses, something for us to understand is that God wants us to let other people know that God is concerned for them. He is concerned for them personally. He is concerned for them individually. In in Ezekiel, we see a, um, a, a shift. We see a uh, a, a change taking place in how people understood uh, sin. Um, for a long, long time, up until this time, uh, Israel understood sin in a corporate or in a group sense—the uh, sins of the nation, the sins of the tribe, the sins of the people, the sins of the father—that were being—that were being. Uh, that were being uh, l- l- you know, having an effect in the lives of children and grandchildren. And, and, and really, sin was not as much something that was an, an individual an individual problem. Um, so the, the nation of Israel had sinned against God. The nation of Judah had sinned against God. And, and, and Jerusalem had fallen. Verse 10b, our transgressions and our sins are upon us. We rot away because of them. How then can we live? And one of the things that uh, that Ezekiel does is to help people to see and to understand that sin really is about individual responsibility. It's about me. It's about what I have done. Um, it's about it's about what what uh, what God would say to me about the things that I have and haven't done. And really, a part of that too is for Him to say. You know, as individuals, there is hope if you repent. There is hope if you turn from your sins. Um, God is concerned about, um, about us as individuals that we know our sinfulness, that we know we are sinners, that we know that unless we repent of our sins and turn from them, that we will die in our sins. He wants folks, he wants people to understand. He wants us to know our sinfulness. He wants folks to know, he wants people to know uh, that the wages of sin is death. He wants people to know that there is none that is righteous, no not one. Um, God also wants people to know that 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 he yearns to restore people and not to destroy them. Ezekiel, in in sharing God's word, is is really sharing God's heart. God says, I don't take any pleasure in destroying anyone. I don't take any pleasure uh, in the judgment, the destruction. But God says, I I do take pleasure in restoration. I do take pleasure in forgiving. God says in verse 11, as I live, declares the Lord. What God is saying is, you have my word on it. God is saying, I desire to restore people and not to destroy them. And he wants people to know that uh, that restoration is possible. In verse 11 he says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Um, If you want to find the gospel in this chapter, this is where you'll find it. You know, Jesus... uh, Jesus talks in the New Testament how God is concerned for the individual, how God is like a shepherd who has a a hundred sheep and and, and he finds 99, but he's he's lost one, and how God will go out and search for that one until he finds it. That God is a God who desires that the individual be restored. God so loved the world. That's one side of the coin. But the other side is uh, where where Jesus says there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repeat, who repents. You know, I think I thought back to last Sunday when uh, uh, when we were sharing together in in, in baptism uh, and how you know th- there was rejoicing in heaven over these uh, daughters uh, uh, who were being baptized uh, as a part of God's family. Uh, there, uh, God wants every person. God desires for every person. Every individual to be restored. God desires, He's concerned that individuals turn from their evil ways and they live. God says, Why will you die? Why would you want to? When you can restore, when you can turn, you can repent, and you can be restored. Um, In 2 Peter, the third chapter, there's a verse that says about God that God is not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. And so part of what Ezekiel is saying to his people of the day, and and, and he says down through the centuries, even to us today, is that God is interested in each and every person. and God is interested that each and every person would repent and believe and be restored in their relationship with him. The last thing I want to mention is in verses 12 through 20. And you, son of man, say to your people, the, righteous, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses and as for the wickedness of the wicked. He shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness, and the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered. But in his injustice... That he has done, he shall die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, takes back, gives back, what he has taken by robbery and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right, he shall surely live. Yet your people say the way of the Lord is not just when it is their own way that is not just. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from the wickedness, his wickedness, and does what is just and right, he shall live by this. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, this is God's word to the people and God's word to us, I will judge each of you according to his ways. The last thought I want to leave you with this morning. One is, that going back, that, that, that we have this, uh, this uh, uh, a calling. We are being sent out to be God's watchmen, to share uh, God's word with those around us. And a part of what we share is that God doesn't desire that any should perish, but that, but that all should come to life in Christ. But God also wants us to be able to share that each and every person is responsible for his eternal destiny that each and every response uh, person makes a decision makes a choice uh, uh, and, and and that choice is whether to accept or reject for himself or herself God's offer of life God's offer of salvation and forgiveness in Jesus Christ that every person is free and accountable that every one of us to come to, to, to that relationship with God we must repent of our sins And walk in the way of Jesus. Um, Something to remember here is that this is a choice we make ourselves. We don't inherit this from our parents, okay? Uh, Just because our father or our mother was a believer, that doesn't somehow uh, uh, you know make us a believer, or or we can't somehow get under the umbrella of their salvation. Um, Just because our spouse is a parent, we just because our spouse is a believer we aren't covered, uh, by their salvation. Um, the first church I pastored when I came out of seminary, uh, we had a wonderful, uh, woman in our church, very faithful believer. Oh, such a great heart for missions. Uh, uh she was, uh, someone who's very influential in Suzanne's life and, in, in, uh, uh, Suzanne's commitment to missions. And, um, and Eloise would come to church. And, Uh, uh, And her husband, Creel, would get all dressed up, and and Creel would come, and and, and he'd be the best dressed person there. He'd wear a three-piece suit, you know. I mean, he was always well-dressed, and he'd come, and he'd sit right next to her, but he was not a believer. And I remember one time having a conversation with him, and I said, Creel, uh, you, you know, you come to church every Sunday, and, and, and yet you've never professed faith in Jesus. You've never asked God to forgive your sins. You've never invited Jesus to come into your heart and, and to be your Savior, to be your Lord. Why is it that you've never made that choice? What's holding you back? And he just looked at me and he said, well, Chuck, he said Eloise has got enough religion for both of us. That's not true. You know, one of the things that this Scripture teaches us and, and, and the New Testament teaches us is that we are each, every one of us, responsible. We choose individually to admit to God that we are sinners. We each individually choose to believe that God sent Jesus into the world and Jesus died on the cross for me, for my sins. He is my Savior when I trust in Him. And each of us individually receives His gift of forgiveness from sin and confess our faith. In Jesus Christ to others individually individually you see the prophet is concerned for individuals and he's reflecting to the people of Israel God's concern for individuals that we each make the choice we each make the decision to receive what God has done for us in Jesus Christ for God so loved the world yes he loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever Individuals, whoever individuals believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 10 13 tells us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, this is God's gracious gift to us, to us as individuals, to each and every one of us as a person. And that's the message that we are to share with the world. And so, this is the teaching of of the great prophet Ezekiel. God says through him, I will judge each of you according to his ways. Every person, every person, every individual, according to his choice or her choice, have I accepted or rejected God's offer of pardon? Have I accepted or rejected God's offer of salvation in Christ Jesus? You see, Jesus came for the world, but he died for you, and he died for me. And God desires that each and every one of us, individually, would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul declares, so then each of us will give an account of himself. God. So as we come away from Ezekiel this morning, God calls us to be watchmen. To say to those around us as we have opportunity, this is God's word. This is God's good news for you. And and, and we are to to, to understand that, that, that God doesn't desire for any to perish, but God desires for every person to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Not everyone will, unfortunately. Because every person decides for himself or herself their eternal destiny. We're called to share the good news. We're called to be God's town crier. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for this word from Ezekiel. Father, we thank you that even in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, that Father, you were preparing for his coming. That, Father, you were sharing that there would come a time when you would send many out into the world to share your word. That, Father, you were preparing hearts already to know that uh, you were a God of love who didn't desire that folks should perish, but that folks would repent and live. That, Father, you were showing us that we each make our own decision about faith in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today for those of us who are sitting here, that Father, we have considered, Father, what uh, you have done through Jesus. That Father, today, Father, I pray for that one who, who perhaps has never come to faith in Christ, that today would be the day that he or she would admit that he is a sinner, that she is a sinner, and that, Father, they need forgiveness. Father, I pray today that for, for that one who's never trusted Christ, that today would be the day they believe that Jesus is your Son sent in the world into the world to die for their sins and that, Father, they would accept and receive your forgiveness, confessing their sins to you. And, Father, I pray today for that one who's never professed faith in Christ that today would be the day when they confess to those around them that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior in my life. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he has forgiven me. And today I confess him as my Savior and Lord. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.